Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Welcome. It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. You know what that means. We're going to talk about cannabis legalization news for the week of February 27th, 2019. Joining me shortly will be a man named Miggy. I copied and pasted the link. Welcome to the new office. Uh, it's not really a new office, but I did finally put up a YouTube studio. And uh, hopefully that worked. It may not. It was a big week this week. Oh, somebody's here. You. Progress. Already in progress. What's going on, man? Not much. I joined the other call. Oh, what other call? Well, when you set up the um, in my calendar, uh -huh. it, was, it was another Google Hangout shit. Ah, yes. Um, okay. This is got a, kind of an interesting piece of we use Google to do a Hangout, and we broadcast it live on YouTube, and then we strip it into a podcast for cannabis legalization news. The way that that works is it, you kind of trust Google, but uh, when you got you got a meeting invite from a different thing, and then you have to actually go in. And so I reported to Google today that its beta for uh, YouTube Studio is wrong because you need to have um, the ability to actually uh, go into it from this. Anyway, long story short, uh, what's happening in your world? Uh, nothing. Um, uh, shit, man. You know, uh, <clears throat> home is pretty much a, a wash deal to next year in Washington State. Sorry. But, you know, Illinois, I got I got big news in Illinois we can talk about in a bit. So uh, any good articles that you've been writing? Uh, you know, there's no real pressing, um, like, new uh, – legislation type shit um you know right now i'm just watching new jersey i think they're gonna be a next one coming up that's gonna be legal you think that new jersey is going to beat illinois that you guys are kind of in the corner with, with michigan right next to you so it's kind of hard to say but jersey also has uh, uh you know the dc is not that far from there <coughs> pennsylvania is trying to do stuff as well so it's kind of a race, you know. It's becoming more and more of a race, but uh, I'm I'm still. I mean, that's what I can report from Illinois. Is last week they actually added some uh, banking legislation, which is very cool for me as a bank law nerd. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it looks like. And then I was just talking yesterday to one of the cool things about cannabis, of course, is that it is a burgeoning field. So you have a lot of entrepreneurs that have some really uh, awesome offerings. 
and that it's going to be a highly regulated industry. So this guy's got this really cool um, cannabis compliance software. So I had him on uh, to talk about the, that stuff yesterday. And he knows that thing really, really deeply. So he's recommending Illinois' way forward simply because uh, it has less of a gray market or a black market. The uh, You're always talking about home grow, but they're trying to regulate more so that they can stay compliant and track all the seeds. So it actually turns out that if you had like caregivers and stuff, did, uh, did Washington State have that? Yeah. So with that, every state is doing it. It's called seed to sale tracking. Right. Yeah. But I I refer to it as C to fail because the whole purpose, it, 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 you don't have C to sell tracking for like apples or peanuts and peanuts have killed people. People are allergic to peanuts. I'm not, has anybody yet developed a cannabis allergy that we are aware of? I, I've known people who have the allergy, but it hasn't killed anybody because of it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So what, uh, what are you going to tell us then about New Jersey? What's going on in there? I could bring us up to speed on bank law in Illinois, but that's it. I mean, like Illinois is kind of stagnant right now. We're still waiting for the state to be able to take hemp licenses, and we're still waiting for the state to be able to even file its proposed Adult Use Act. Has the Adult Use Bill in Jersey been filed? They are making me uh, – let me pull one up here. Okay, I, I, told, I told you in a text um, – I just got done having a flu, so my brain's a little slow today. That does happen. I mean, I uh, my brain was a little slow a couple months ago, um, but you'll feel better. Have some soup. And anyway, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, while you were looking for that, I'll make sure to apprise people of, uh, well, I already did, of the state of Illinois. Uh, we're still waiting for SB7's full text to be re revealed, but at least we have unsafe and unsound banking practices being moved out of the way. So one of the things that I think would be interesting to put into these types of legislations is that uh, banking cannabis businesses is not to be considered under, because a lot of the banks are states. There's a lot of state banks out there. Uh, the large ones are national, but most banks are state banks. So if the state law had an amendment built into it to their uh, state banking charters, then they'd be able to uh, explicitly have, you know, that this is not an unsafe or unsound banking practice. It'd be great if the feds would actually get off their duffs and do something. But in that, uh, we can talk about that in a bit. What did you well, find about New Jersey? Oh, so Jersey, uh, in this article that I just posted in the uh, comment section, uh, so it looks like if Murphy signs a bill on March 1st, the rules issued will will be by or before August 28th, and they can possibly okay. get sales by 2020 in February. Well, you know, rules will issue, but then you have to have like the authority and the approval and they go back and forth. I mean, we had rules issue for hemp and like then you have the public comment period. The public comment period just ended and that's all after the bill is, you know, on the books. So the rules period can take some time. That's one of the things we discussed with the um, uh, uh, adhere soft or what was it? No, it's adhere its compliance. And the CEO was on yesterday discussing his uh, software offering. And uh, once the, the bill goes through and becomes a law, and then it goes to the rules committee, and then suddenly like a 20-page law will become a 200 pages of rules and regulations that everybody has to follow. But uh, good. Oh, yeah. And, and then, um, you know, I've been thinking more about the, uh, the importance of homegrown, like this whole seed to sell and, yeah. and why, why it's bad. From an agricultural standpoint, are you are you familiar with the potato famine and how that occurred? Uh, I am Irish, but no. So part of the potato blight was because there was lack of uh, of uh, 
variety in, in the potato. Are you saying that the potatoes got inbred and that's why they all ceased to be and that was a potato famine? Yeah, it, it, it was part of it. They essentially uh, became disease-ridden and uh, susceptible to, uh, you know, just different conditions that they just didn't have uh, the, the stamina, I guess. But <clears throat> the lack of variety did contribute to that. I think that's not really what they're concerned about. They are really concerned more about the, um, you know, tax-free liquor problem is what I think. I think they just want to make sure that they have taxed and tracked uh, every aspect that they can. Uh, and that's just my, my hunch is what they want. They don't, they want to, you know, if they could tax apples, like they could tax cannabis, I think they would, but they would still then be, uh, be tracking it like that. So, uh, home grow is still in a lot of the bills. It's being proposed by Illinois and I, I support it as well. I just think that, you know, it, people are going to avoid regulations always. They just always do. You know, there's stop signs out there. People go right through them. There's speed yeah. limits. They break it. Don't murder. People are murdering. And so because of that, I mean, I understand why you need to have clear, easy to follow rules. But then, you know, with home grow, how many plants did you want? So they're trying to get six plants just for a minimum, which would be fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you're talking, you're not talking about all the apples in the world. You can't have a fucking apple orchard. You can have a couple of apple trees, you know? It, well, the biggest thing behind the, like your friend's tracking system, there, there is diversion. They're afraid, you know, once they legalize it, then all of a sudden there's going to be mass amounts diverted to <coughs> out of state. And yeah, but is that, is that how it's going in Oregon? I mean, because Oregon has a huge supply glut from what I hear. What, what gave rise to that? Is it just unfettered home grow or what? No, that had nothing to do with home grow. That, that's just uh, uh, people with bad business planning, I think, in my regards. Like, um, you don't fucking grow two acres worth of weed if you don't already have it next, you know, planned out. You know, you want to give the sales. And so, like, you're like, I'm growing this because I'm going to sell it to him. I'm going to sell it to that guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, there is they say there is some diversion from Oregon which I have yet to see as far as uh, uh, any charges being pressed against anybody in the active legal or recreational part of the markets. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the diversion is actually from players of the markets. You know, it's, it's just from, like you said, people are going to do bad shit no matter what. But that seed of sale tracking. Right. But when you want to actually make sure that the business is bankable, you want to make sure that the bank is not – complicitly acting into anything that's going to expose it to what they call unsafe and unsound principles, no risk of loss. And so I understand why they need the regulations and why they have scores and all that. But um, I think getting away from like, you know, the, the, cause how many plants could just a caregiver grow for various patients? And that, I think that's where a lot of the slippage was, but if you just have five plants, you know, that's, that's just not enough. Well, and that's a, a misnomer, too, when it comes to uh, how many plants should you be able to grow for yourself as a patient. <coughs> um, for me, six plants would be fine because mm -hmm. uh, I still smoke flour, but I know real sick people, and yeah. they take high concentrates. Uh, that six plants will only last them probably a month. Well, okay, but if you know sick people and that six plants will only last in a month, don't they then have the reason or, or the, they have a real reason to go to their dispensary, especially a medical one, or have a caregiver. I don't 
prefer that. I prefer if the medicine's just priced so they can access it if they need that type of volume. You know, you don't want to be going and, and growing that much and then processing it into those real dense concentrates if you're sick. Yeah, no, I, and I agree. Plus the quality of the concentrate itself, you don't know what you're getting. I personally only do CO2 extracts or um, rosin press. I, I try to stay away from the propane, butane type stuff because I just don't trust them being burned out, all the uh, <coughs> toxic parts of it. So that is cool. And then um, that could be into the action actions of the compliance as well, because you are giving almost a pedigree and a certification of the medicine or of the cannabis product that you are uh, after. And it's there's just so many types that you can go into. So yeah, I mean, if you want an extraction by that particular process, it, does that go into brand name? Does that go into uh, certain regulations? So some states might say you can only extract it, or would they say, oh, you have to have so much purity? I mean, I guess that's really and a lot of it will probably come down to cost of, of processing it itself. So it can be as most profitable, I would imagine. Well, a funny thing. Uh, I don't know if you know about the recall in California recently. Mm -mm. What about the recall in California recently? So a couple million dollars worth of cannabis has been recalled due to pesticide pesticides finding. Now, was this cannabis then outdoor grown cannabis? Because if I'm growing inside or hydroponically, I'm assuming that pesticides really aren't going to factor into the equation because what pests, you know, I'm controlling it. Uh, I'm controlling the entire system that it's in. So I know that there's no uh, pests there. It, you know, I, I, the stories that I've read, nothing indicates where the, the, the grows come from. But um, I just find it ironic because <clears throat> in Washington State, it's been a big contention here that the present board that's in charge of cannabis just really doesn't know what they're doing. We put a bunch of business people and ex-law enforcement in charge of an agriculture product, which was fine for the first year because they helped structure that infrastructure of business. Mm -hmm. And then they should have stepped away. One of the rules that we have here is... Who's going to step away from a job they've created for themselves? Seriously. <laughs> well, like, I'm sorry. Okay. I've given up uh, caring or, or needing money. I'm going to go back to the, the woods now and live as a hermit. Well, no, and that's true. The, and the thing is, too, though, uh, the, the people that are appointed on this board are appointed by the governor. They're not voted in. There's mm -hmm. no election for them. They're just assigned. Right. Um, but so in the rules in, in Washington State, why it's becoming a big contention, what happened in California is because <clears throat> in Washington State rules, the only cannabis that needs to get tested for for pesticides is medical cannabis. Hmm. All the other cannabis doesn't have to get tested. Well, that's annoying. So uh, you're telling me that California wrote its legalization rule in such a way that if you go into the medical line, you can get pure cannabis without fear of having like uh, bastardization agents or pesticides. Uh, on it. But if you go and you go into the adult use line, you don't really know what's on your cannabis. And that's, and that's the Washington state market, not the California market. Hmm. Oh, but yeah. I thought, I thought you were talking about California. You could put pesticides on the adult use, but you couldn't put it on your medical. No, no, that's Washington state. But the reason why California's recall is affecting us is because now the consumer is starting to ask, well, how come we're not having recalls? You know, they're, Oh, Oh, I see. And so, um, you think that there's going to be a, a, a future regulatory change to the uh, Washington state law to restrict the usage of pesticides on its uh, home? Well, not it's homegrown. It doesn't allow that, but it's commercially grown cannabis. Well, I believe it's not going to be a law 
regulating it because they already have those, but there's going to be a law as far as requirements of testing for it to make sure it was completely purged or whatnot at that point. Oh, okay. So it kind of gets back into a compliance thing. So maybe they aren't allowed to do it, but they're doing it anyway. I mean, that yeah. happens. Yeah. And that's the thing. And in Washington State, or medical is the only one that has to get tested. So everybody else is getting in their way with whatever the fuck they can get away with. Yeah, that's kind of like the rules of the game. Get away with whatever the heck you can get away with, which turns us back to the United States Senate, which right now is being entertained by one Michael Cohen. You know he's probably telling a few whoppers. But in good news, there was the senator from Oregon, Ron Wyden, introduced a corollary to the HR 420. Now there's an SB. Do they call it? No, they just call it S in the Senate. S 420. HB, House Bill, S, Senate Bill. Not sure why it doesn't have a B. But, uh, you know, it's another. Now there's both of these regulate uh, alcohol. I'm sorry, regulate tobacco like alcohol bills in both houses of uh, Congress, which is a great, great thing. Now, the, the weird thing might be like, OK, a lot of these bill sponsors are perennial. Uh, the, you know, uh, what's his name? Blumenauer. He's been supportive of it for years. And he just actually had his name attached, I believe, to the. Uh, medical marijuana defunding of the Department of Justice in the budget that used to be the Rubacher Fire Amendment. Now I think it's the Rubacher Blumenauer Amendment. One of those two Rubacher Fires now out of Congress. The other one still is. So um, that's that has to be introduced every budget year, which is a, an annualized thing. Now I wonder if they're going to start introducing HR 420 and S420 uh, every year. And if you were going to legalize cannabis and you could pick any bill's number, wouldn't you pick 420? Well, yeah. I mean, it's more of a tip to the hat to the culture. That's right. That's right. You know, you could have it be SB whatever, I'm assuming, just from yeah. their ability to pick out that number. But um, hey, man, go for Oregon. Go Oregon. I like that. But it looks like, uh, let's see, we talked about New Jersey. We talked about Illinois. Evidently, Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii's got some full adult use bills in there and it's it's still in committee i mean you understand committee right how, how does, what do you, i mean as far as like the uh like a group of like people how, that, like how the bills how bills become law how uh, boned up are you on that uh what was the name of that cartoon back in the 70s that had that oh the school of rock schoolhouse rock or something like that right all right so I mean, how familiar are you with how a bill becomes law not very, because, I mean, I've had my first experience with this the recent homegrown shit, mm-hmm. and that was quite eye-opening, because I didn't realize that in, just for local state law, we had to pass a bill through both the House and the Senate. That way, at the end, it can merge into one, or you can mm-hmm. run the same bill through both, which, to me, just just seems so excessive to, to get a rule it's, through. It's, this, is, this is intentional, because we don't want any one particular group starting to act and owing and like they own the place. And so they bifurcate all these things so that you really can only move forward with what you have a lot of consensus on. And then that's why it's bicameral just basically means two chamber, but in Latin. And so it's not like we invented it. It goes way back uh, thousands of years, I believe, but I'm not, I'm not a parliamentarian procedure maven by any stretch of the imagination. However, when these bills, and that's why they're introduced in both houses and that's often why they have the same language so they don't have to be reconciled because they yeah. have to be passed by both houses and then they can go to the executive and the executive, you know, uh, signs it or he vetoes it and then goes back. 
It's a pretty interesting, completely man-made machine, but it's a machine that uh, governs us. Kind of uh, interesting. And I find it kind of deceptive, too, though, the whole bill process, just like with the recent um, the Criminal Justice Reform Act, right? What, what about uh, the Criminal Justice Reform Act? It just kills me that right now you have Trump and, and Kushner, and they're all stroking each other, thinking how great they are. But this bill has been going through. To be fair, mostly. they've been stroking each other and telling each other how great they are for years. But uh, the bill is going through. Right. No, I'm saying it went through, but they had nothing to do with the inception of or creation of. It's been being worked on for years before that. You know, Cory mm -hmm. Booker and all these other people. They just happen to grab it at the end where it just seems, seems to me like a publicity stunt. You know, we found That's a building. <coughs> you know, but yeah, man. But again, I, I left out one of the more boring and uh, the place where the bills go to die. Uh, and that's yeah. committee. And like, you know, the, after you have the bills introduced and they go to committees and it looks like that's one of the things that the Hawaii bill just happened to do. They just got out of one of the committees, all sorts of committees all over these uh, layers of government. But uh, once they get out of the committee and they actually have a vote and it passes, sure, that would be really cool. But I don't want... Uh, I don't want the bill that legalizes cannabis to be signed by Donald Trump. I don't think anybody does. You know, I, I thought about that too. I mean, the irony of it all, but I really don't give a fuck. I mean, <laughs> you don't care who signs the bill. You just want the thing. You just want the madness to end. And that's the you know, thing. I think like, I think the SB 420 bill in its current incantation isn't going to do it. But like if they take the Chuck Schumer's aspect where they deschedule cannabis if they move it over to that other regulatory body that is alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, plus they put in the I'm sorry, <laughs> criminal justice reform kicker on it. So like everybody who's uh, a current prisoner uh, would be released and um, expunge their, their records. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot uh, of people just serving time for just weed, pretty much damn near life death sentences. Like, uh, like your friend Lance Floor, right? Lance, Lance is serving 10 years, but there's guys like Antonio Vascuro. Yeah, but you could you could get sick and die in prison. I mean, oh. it's not the safest place in the world. Yeah, let's not forget. Yeah, they don't have the greatest health care. I mean, it's not like. Yeah, it's America after all. I mean, we're not really known for our health care. We're known for it being like extremely expensive, but we're not known for our health care. There's probably people dying for fucking uh, being cut by a nail in fucking prison. Who knows? But no, there could yeah. be. But then, of course, what will they give them? They'll give them Tylenol for their pain. You know, yeah. if they want if they want the opioids, they have to buy it at the uh, at the yard with for cigarettes, like everything else. Well, you know that's uh, that's the unfortunate thing about people in prison. Um, matter of fact, uh, March 9th, I'll be raising funds for. There's a group I work with, Freedom Grow. Um, they collect funds and put the funds towards prisoners' books. Uh, just people who are arrested for pot, you know, uh, and the thing is, because everything costs emails, uh, texts, uh, phone calls, uh, even when they got toiletries, you know, these guys got to pay extra just to kind of feel normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just terrible that hey, so many people's lives have been ruined by it. And so many more people's lives have been ruined by its absence um, simply because other types of drugs came along to the scene it's a fairly complex drug. And so like other, you know, pain management drugs and who knows what else is in there because it was only legal to study its harm for 80 years. Uh, it's, it's just so stupid. And yet when it does pass, it's going to be hyper regulated 
because the stigma won't go away like that. Right. No, it, then, I mean, it seems to be in some states it is. Have you seen a new uh, MedMen video? Oh, uh, that is cannabis legalization news right there, the new MedMen video. But no, I haven't. I heard Spike Jones directed it and I saw it floating around the Internet. I'm like, I bet that looks cool. I wish I had two minutes to watch it. I, I have two minutes to watch it. Clearly, we've been talking for 25. So, yeah, I, I should really turn out the, the new MedMen video. But what is going on in it? If you've seen it. So I just posted it in the comments and I just got done watching it. And it was actually a pretty good video where <laughs> it had a Spike Jones little esque you know visuals yeah. in it and right. uh but it just pretty much says you know uh 100 years ago with george washington he was growing hemp you can look it up and then it shifted that was the normal and then it shifted to the now not weird new normal of people being arrested and now we're transitioning to the new normal of no one really talks about it because it's not a fucking thing yeah, and I really have a hard time believing this aspect about how oh george washington was growing hemp Hemp's cannabis. The only thing that's different is that there's CBD in one and not so much THC. But that doesn't mean that all the hemp that was growing back then, 300 years ago, was magically THC free. I mean, uh, I realize Hindu Kush and all those other strains. And you know that they cultivated it for that to some extent. I, oh, I think, yeah, because the I think the earliest, was it the O'Shaughnessy, the Irish doctor from the 1830s, I think was when they they officially like found in India or that particular strain of it. So maybe, maybe they didn't really know that for its um, medical benefits as much as for its industrial use. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they knew about its medical benefits back 300 years ago with George Washington? <laughs> you know, I'm guaranteed he was fucking smoking it to, to feel better. You know, to have, you know, well, that's, that's the thing, right? Cause like the flower back then, I think it's, it, it, Hemp just doesn't have uh, THC. It, it does have a lot of CBD. So I'm talking to guys in the hemp industry that got clones and those clones, when they're grown right, uh, they're going to harvest between 15 and 18 percent CBD. Actually, oh, yeah. CBDA, of course, because, you know, they they denature or decarboxylate as you heat them. But guarantee they're consuming it. I mean, I don't know what evidence people were looking for. Did they want to read his diary? He says, you know, 1770 something. It was lit. You know, I was I was smelling the flowers and then they <laughs> fell on the fire and suddenly I felt this very and then it would have to have like F's as S's and the very arcane uh, references for how he was feeling like my my spirits enlightened with and then just <laughs> old words that I can't even think off off the top of my head. Whatever yeah. Hamilton would say. Yeah. <laughs> so in other news, too, uh, we have Ohio. Mm hmm. Um, right Boehner now, country, huh? Boehner country. Uh, oh, John Boehner. I actually finally, uh, uh, yeah, let's talk about Ohio and then I'll go on a small rant about Boehner's company later. Well, they're presently, uh, catching people, uh, with weed traps. So is that kind of like honey potting, uh, but, uh, with weed? Yeah. People going to say Michigan for their medicine. Hmm. And then they come back, cross state lines. That's one of the fears I had when I traveled to uh, Idaho myself, coming across the Oregon border. You, you, uh, yeah, that uh, would scare me as well. Idaho is one of the four states. Uh, Idaho, not even Utah anymore. Idaho, South Dakota, Kansas, and Nebraska. Only four states that don't have some form of medical cannabis. So, yeah, I'd be terrified to go to Idaho if I had, you know, 
if I had just been from Oregon? Oh yeah, no. There's well, there's been known speed traps outside of Oregon on the uh, that main highway, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but no, that's what's going on in Ohio I'm right say now. It's Highway Six. I've never been to there, so uh, maybe it is Highway Six. It's probably got <laughs> two digits though. Maybe it's sixty-four. Who knows? But man, that that does stink that they are setting up traps between the jurisdictions. And but you know, from a strictly budgetary standpoint, if the point of your you know, have you have you ever heard that cops like have quotas of how many tickets they have to write so they can bring in so much revenue? Have you ever heard anything suspect yeah. like that? You've, you have. So I'm not the yeah. only one that's got this. Uh, this uh, it's kind of like a, you, you just don't trust the system. You think almost like it's rigged. Uh, perhaps it is. I'm not sure. But so these guys are legitimately setting up a higher probability that they're going to be able to catch somebody doing something wrong and then they can take their stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thought that was always fucked up. Uh, when I used to live in Jersey, <laughs> my stepdad had friends that were state troopers, and there's no shit. They got quotas to make. And I just always thought, yeah, Are you see, kidding? you're yeah. hearing it from state troopers in Jersey. If you can't trust them, who can you trust? I'm just saying, how's a fucking cop going to have a quota? I mean, like, what if, like, you had a really good month of no crime? I know, right? What if people suddenly just got their shit together and they didn't need to get arrested no more and cannabis was legal and you weren't, you, know, you were like, oh no, I'm not going to have that extra booze. I'm, uh, I might go have a joint though. And so then you don't, you know, get yeah. uh, behind the wheel drunk and, and all these revenue sources just kind of dry up. Maybe that's something we need to uh, look into in uh, America is how are we paying for our police? That's a huge issue right there. You know, it's it's harder to be a barber or a beautician than it is to be a cop. Mm. You know, I mean, between the training or lack of, and then, uh, you know, cops interpreting the law on their own is some also, it's got its own nuances. But um, yeah, I'm a know, lawyer. I like to interpret the law my own way. And I could be wrong sometimes too. So gosh knows how they're getting it. But I, I just don't like the idea that you have a quota system for crime, meaning that no matter what, you have to have that much crime. That to me, like that, that's just so wrong. It's like basically saying uh, crime to a certain extent is like your um, your monthly budgetary profit numbers, which it's just not. Yeah, and, and, and it just motivates them to keep it illegal as well. They got quotas to make, man. What happens if they can't arrest them for that anymore? And then what happens when the robots are driving us all around so that the the number of DUIs plummet? Oh, I know what happens. Uh, Insurance payouts go way down. Uh, People don't die as frequently. Families are kept together, maybe also broken apart because, let's be honest, alcohol was involved. Yeah. No, I honestly think right now cops are freaking out trying to figure out how to get real jobs. Well, it's not just the police. It's also some other people that well, I'm not going to make a lawyer joke. You guys can make them yourselves. But uh, what about uh, criminal uh, defendants, attorneys or DUI lawyers or uh, even personal injury lawyers? OK, what happens if in 20 years the amount of car crashes or, or deadly accidents that hurt people plummet by 80 to 90 percent? What happens to all those lawyers that need all that settlement money if it just is the the instances of these accidents are just gone. Yeah, no, that that that's a true uh, fear, I'd imagine. Not for me. I'm learning cannabis law. Well, yeah. isn't most uh, like for criminal law though, like say ninety percent of it pleaded out anyways? Well, uh, yeah, but 
90% of all litigation isn't pleaded out. There's something that you say, litigation is unpredictable, but a settlement is buying certainty. So you can actually purchase certainty in the criminal, well, not necessarily the criminal justice system, maybe that is taking the plea deal, but in your civil law system, you can also purchase a certain amount of certainty because then when you when you release the case, you know, there's always a settlement contract that's entered into and everybody goes their own separate way. Uh, but yeah, many cases do not go to trial either. So uh, do, do you know why I wanted to bash on um, John Boehner for a little bit? Oh, no, what? All right. Have you ever seen those commercials of his on the internet about how he's all in for cannabis? Oh, yeah. Have you, have you ever clicked like on the, those? Well, yeah, the ones where like he's like in a board meeting or some bullshit. It looks like he's in a suit and then like... Right. Uh, and then it just turns out to be like uh, penny stocks. They're trying to sell you like, you know, pot stocks. You've seen that one? It's kind of sad. It's like a shitty infomercial, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, yeah and I know, like, right? You're a fucking speaker so of the you're, house. You're, yeah, you're a speaker of the house. Now you're shilling for this marijuana product. And the marijuana product is like tries to get you to t pay you money so that it's going to teach you how to invest in marijuana stocks. It's it's there's so many fucking scams with, with weed, you know, uh, that was that was a rejoinder from the uh, the compliance software expert that I had in uh, yesterday. Oh, shit. It's just yeah, it's unfortunate that all these people. Well, first off, I think people neglect the culture that existed beforehand. There is a cannabis culture. That there certainly is a cannabis culture like Keith Strop. I still remember when I was a young lawyer. Uh, Keith Strop called me on my way to a bankruptcy hearing, and I just started working uh, with my father, who taught me the bank law business. And uh, Keith called me, which was it was fun. That's pretty neat. I mean, that's uh, that's like a superstar being contacted by. Uh, it was crazy. It was crazy, I kiddo, because I can remember it. It was uh, the first. I had just bought my first Hyundai. I know red letter date. Everybody remembers, right? Oh yeah, first Hyundai <laughs> I bought. And so uh, it would display the number of whomever was calling on your phone and it had Bluetooth. It had Bluetooth, you know, so whatever. And so it was a 202 area code. I'm like, oh, that's Washington, D.C., whatever this is. And I had like emailed them or something. I can't hmm. even remember what question. Uh, it might have been something legal uh, because I knew that that would get uh, a response. But I didn't, I didn't expect him to call. It was cool, though. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, I would like to before uh... – but before he dies, I would like to get to Michigan and, and visit John Sinclair's Cafe. John Sinclair's Cafe. Uh-oh, I'm going to learn something here. Why don't you uh, fill me in on this? So are you familiar who John Sinclair is? No. John Sinclair was arrested in the 1970s. He's the reason why there's a hash bash. Uh, oh, my gosh. That I've heard of. I've heard of the hash bash. Like uh, the University of Michigan is famous for this. I mean, that, yeah. that cannabis culture – I recall, see, you know, when you're when you're in college, you got friends, and some of the friends go to Michigan, and they're like, "Oh man, hash bash." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. So uh, many years ago, uh, in the '70s, <clears throat> John Sinclair was arrested for two joints, and he was about to serve, I think, ten wait, years. Wait. John Sinclair with two joints. Did um, did John Lennon or something make a like a statement about him? They had a concert. They had a Free John concert, oh, and it was so this must John be like Lennon, in the '60s or so, or yeah, early yeah. '70s. Early seventies, Stevie Wonder, uh, and a bunch of other hot bands at the time were all nice. part of the concert. <clears throat> and really, they said the John Lennon's concert got him out, you know, uh, because that raised awareness, put a lot of pressure onto the system. You know, I no bet there was just joints everywhere. And so, you, you really expect us to believe 
that uh, joints everywhere wasn't something that happened back when George Washington was growing this stuff. Unless, I mean, I understand cannabis, hemp, same dang plant. It's just like, imagine, well, I guess I've seen corn and then I've seen grass. Maybe it's similar to that, but I don't know. Because the corn is a type of grass, you know? And so maybe yeah. this particular uh, THC cannabinoid really was only uh, localized in a few areas of the world. Maybe. Well, they're probably smoking out of pipes too. But mm -hmm. uh, in Michigan, though, so he got out eventually. And then he started the first hash bash, which eventually evolved. I believe it's in its 45th year or some shit like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the yearly protest, right? It's a, it's a smoke in. And right. uh, they had something one. similar. They had something similar in Wisconsin uh, when I was in law school and I was actually I was promoting my book. Uh, I went back to do that in like 2010. They had like a very similar, um, wow. but like way lamer, way lamer. There was like nobody smoking or like four people. You know? <laughs> well, you got to come to Seattle Hemp Fest for that. Oh, dude, I need to go to Seattle Hemp Fest. When is that? Uh, August. Uh Fucking 16, 17, and 18, I believe. Uh, I mean, okay. just go to the Seattle Hemp Fest website and you can find out. Awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I haven't, I would definitely be able to find some people there that might want to, like, uh, hop on one of these shows and have me interview them about their particular cannabis business, which would be interesting. And the legal issues they are facing. Well, it's interesting. Uh, when it started, uh, it was a small drum circle. Now it takes over a mile and a half of a uh, uh, park. It, it does not surprise me at all that yeah. the Seattle Hemp Fest started a small drum circle. Not one bit. You, what year was that? Uh, fuck, dude. I think in the 80s. I can look it up right now. It must have been the first drum circle that was held in the United States. I'm assuming all <laughs> drum circles before that were held in tribal villages that are now uh, no longer there. Yeah, so uh, they started in... Uh, Oh, 91. Hmm. Man, that is like, that's, that's internet stuff. But then, I mean, look how far we are into the internet right now. We're having a live feed uh, in video broadcasting it. That will then turn into a podcast, which I found out that podcasts actually have a lot of SEO in it. So I'm going oh, wow. to, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to use that to get more listeners on cannabis legalization news. I think it's a pretty decent name for a podcast. I like it. So apparently I can only add so many links at a time. I was about to post a link to John's Cafe, but people are going to have to look that up later. No, it's too bad. It's too bad. All right, man. What else? I'm still, I'm still like next week. Hopefully I have some actual news as to like, here's the Illinois bill. Here's what it means. Here's what it's about. Right now I just have the, here's the Illinois bill about banking. Uh, we're still waiting for hemp licenses to be able to be dispersed. I think that's something we've actually learned a lot uh, is that, uh, as we see all these other states that start to come online, it's going to be like, okay, it's at this stage. And so like, you know, it sounds like uh, New Jersey is at the stage where they're going to be, they're further along because New Jersey actually passed a law, right? Or uh, they have a bill and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now they're doing the rule. Yeah. And then it'll become effective by 2020 or so. When it comes to the, um, the national uh, discussion for hemp. Are you looking at the associations as well? Like, uh, do you know who Joy Beckerman is? Uh, no, I do not. She's she's been a long time advocate, but she was uh, appointed president for one of the uh, the new Hemp Industries Association. Ah, uh, the Hemp Industry Association. Good people. I'm sure they're yeah. they're new. 
but you know, I think these industries or these associations, as they get, as we get legal state by state, <coughs> they're going to get a lot bigger. They're going to get a lot yeah. bigger. Yeah, they're going to have a lot more. Um, but at uh, what point does? Because are they going to start warring? I mean, it looks like tobacco industry, they're buying in alcohol industry, they're buying in pharmaceutical industry is going to start buying in. And then essentially, we're just going to have a new sheriff. And it's the same sheriff as the last sheriff. It's just the shareholders have changed a little bit. Well, you know, as long as we keep the seeds alive and be able to plant them organically in ourselves, you know, Wait I don't think about big pharma. I really don't give a fuck. No, but you, and what about the clones? Once you have the genetics stable, why would you even mess with seeds, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, it's just people like with like GW Pharmaceuticals, they kind of scare me. But again, more money yeah. thrown into this, then then maybe we'll get some people freed out of jail and whatnot. Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I think maybe the 420 bill, it's not its time yet. But you know, you get, uh, I don't know, man. Let's see what Michael Cohen's saying. Let's see how impeached Donald Trump gets or indicted, simply because I just don't see any type of, and then. Is it is it they, which one did they win back? Oh, that's right. They they kept the Senate. So the Republicans in the Senate would they vote for anything like this? I highly doubt it. But anyway, uh, hopefully next week. What's up? I was saying because you're saying about the Republicans. I was going to say in a new Forbes article or the Forbes. I think it was Forbes. Forbes does a all, lot of cannabis publications. Yeah, all but all 2020 presidential candidates support legalization. Both wow, Republicans even, even, and Democrats. I didn't know that Donald Trump was a, an advocate of legalization. I thought he was uh, an advocate of uh, medical marijuana. Well, I don't know if he's a candidate. <laughs> uh, maybe he's not. Let's let's keep a good thought, right? But yeah, I know all the uh, Democrats are. That's going to be an interesting year. But next week at 2 p.m., do you know where you're going to be? I'm sorry, next week on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, do you know where you're going to be? I will be here. Discussing the cannabis legalization news of the week. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you then.